Welcome back to another Wednesday Night Bible Study. I'm incredibly excited to introduce our new summer series for the summer. We're going to have a bunch of great guest speakers that will be coming every Wednesday night, and we're going to be broadcasting their lessons out to you every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock on our website, ccmcdermott.org slash live, also on YouTube and on Facebook. Uh, but tonight, we're going to sort of introduce our series of lessons. We're going to be going through each week a different letter of the Apostle Paul's, but tonight I just kind of want to introduce you to the Apostle Paul and talk through how he became uh, not only an apostle, but also a follower of Jesus Christ. There's a word that I want to talk about tonight, and the word is goad. Goad. One time I corrected my son for using the word goad. Uh, he said uh, he was talking about himself, maybe. He said, I goad to the store, and I said, went. He said, what? I said, went, goad is not a word. And then he, then he reminded me that I had talked about the word goad in a sermon. And sure enough, I did. And goad is a word. And here is what a goad is. I, I cut this branch from one of the trees in my backyard and I made a, a goad for us tonight. A goad was a, a long pointy stick that farmers used to use to poke their oxen. And so they would goad them. They would drive them and steer them and tell them, you need you need to move. And so they would use this goad to poke their oxen to make them move in a certain direction. So yes, kids, goad is a word, but only in this in this context. And so I, I want us to think about this idea of a goad, because sometimes God goads us. Sometimes God is poking us and prodding us. He's trying to steer us gently, of course, but trying to steer us in a specific direction, trying to help us to realize through the gospel, through scripture, through Bible study, through prayer, through the church, through encouragement of the people in your life, Jesus, God is goading us to go in a certain direction and make certain changes in our lives. But sometimes, here's what we do. Sometimes we kick against the goads. God is poking us and prodding us, directing us and steering us to go in a certain direction and to do certain things and to believe certain truths. And sometimes we stubbornly refuse. We kick against the goats. And that's the way Saul was, Paul. We, we refer to him both as Paul, his Greek name, and Saul, his Hebrew name, but it's the same person. Paul was a man who stubbornly refused to go in the direction that God was goading him, that Jesus was goading him in for quite some time. Paul stubbornly refused to do that. One of the best ways to understand Saul of Tarsus or Paul before he became a follower of Jesus, one of the best words that we could use to describe him might be patriot. And what do I mean by, by using the word patriot? I mean that Saul of Tarsus loved his, his country, his nation, the kingdom of Israel. He looked forward to the day when the Messiah would come and he looked forward to the day that the enemies of God would be destroyed and he wanted to protect his way of life. He wanted to protect the traditional Jewish way of life. He wanted to protect the traditions that had been handed down to him from his forefathers. He believed that there was nothing, there was nothing in the world more important than protecting the traditional Jewish way of life. 
than protecting the customs and the traditions that had been handed down from God to Moses and to all of Paul's family. And so he believed that this was of the utmost importance. He was willing to die, I'm sure, to protect his traditional way of life. And he was certainly willing to fight, even to arrest and to kill people in order to protect his traditional way of life. And Saul was under the impression, he was under the impression that Christians, that followers of Jesus were dangerous, that they were, uh, that they posed a threat to the traditional way of, of Jewish living. He, he believed that they posed a threat to the nation of Israel. And he believed that one of the best things that he could do for his community, one of the best things he could do for the nation of Israel, one of the best things he could do for the Jewish people was to eradicate followers of Jesus, was to hunt them down, arrest them, and even put them to death. I want us to think about some of the things that that Paul said about himself. He, He said at one point, he said, you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Saul described himself this way. Paul described himself this way, that he was zealous for the traditions of his fathers and his zeal, his passion, his enthusiasm to protect the traditions of his fathers led him to try to destroy the church of God because he believed that the church posed a threat to the traditional way of Jewish living. He believed that they posed a threat to the traditional Jewish way of life. And he believed that it was God's will for him to destroy the church. But here's the thing, of course, you can't destroy what God is building. But of course, at the time, Saul, Paul, didn't know that this was something God was doing. He didn't know that this was a work of God. He didn't realize that the best thing he could do as a Jewish person, the best thing he could do as a person who loved the truths and the traditions passed down from God to Moses to him, the best thing that he could have done would be to follow Jesus of Nazareth. He thought, he was convinced, he was zealous, believing that the best thing he could do was destroy the church until it sort of all came to a head on a road to Damascus. Look at Acts chapter 26. And starting in verse 9, this is going to be our text this evening. And, and in this text, Paul is, years later, this is long after he is converted, long after he gives up his life of terrorism, long after he gives up his, his life of hunting down and arresting Christians and trying to put them to death. And he is looking back at that former life and he's explaining to King Agrippa what he did and how he lived and, and importantly, why he did it and what he believed at the time and what he was thinking at the time. He said, Acts 26 and verse 9, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, think about that for a second. He says, I was convinced. 
earlier to the church in Galatia or churches in Galatia, he said he was zealous for the traditions of his fathers. And here he says that he was convinced. He was convinced that he ought to do these things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Zeal for our traditions, our enthusiasm to protect our way of life, to protect the things that we we believe are important. That zeal can make us convinced that we're doing the right sorts of things. But just because we're passionate about something, just because we're convinced about something, just because we're zealous about something, just because we think this is important, this is worth fighting for, this is worth dying for, just because we have that feeling inside of us, maybe, maybe just because we had people in our life tell us that, maybe it was our parents, maybe it was our grandparents, And we believe that fighting for and dying for the things that they said were important or the things that we believe deep down in our heart, just because we believe that that's worth fighting for and worth dying for and that this is what's true and that this is what's right, doesn't mean that it's true. Doesn't mean that we're right. Just because you're convinced of something, just because you're passionate about something, just because you're zealous and enthusiastic about something, doesn't mean you're right. Every now and then we kind of have to stop and, and, and take inventory of our thoughts and take inventory of our life. And we have to recognize the fact, we have to be humble to recognize the fact that just because I feel this way, just because I'm convinced that I'm right, just because I'm convinced that I ought to do these things, doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't mean that's God's will. It doesn't mean that's what God wants for us. In fact, Paul was about to learn that lesson in a hard way. Verse 10, he says, And I did so in Jerusalem. I tried to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme, and in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Again, Saul, Paul wasn't just a person who was just angry all the time or mad all the time. He was an incredibly religious person. He was an incredibly patriotic person. He was convinced that what he was doing was good and was honoring God. And that's why what he thought, what he thought was righteous indignation that was welling up inside of him was really causing him to commit the worst sins that that he had ever committed. In fact, he would later say that he was the chief of sinners. But in the moment, in the moment as he was becoming the chief of sinners, in, in opposing the name of Jesus, in trying to destroy the church of God, in the moment he was convinced that he was right. He was not only convinced that he was right, he was convinced that he was doing what he ought to do. And in raging fury, he persecuted them even to foreign cities. In verse 12, he says this, In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests, 
At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Jesus is saying, I've, I've been goading you, Saul. I've been poking you and I've been prodding you and I've, I've been trying to show you what direction to go, but you keep kicking against it like a stubborn ox. You keep fighting back. You won't listen to me and you keep going in the wrong direction. I keep poking you. I keep prodding you. I keep saying, don't do that. Don't go that direction. Don't keep doing these things. I keep goading you, but you're kicking against the goads and it's hard for you to kick against the goads. There's consequences for kicking against the goads. When, when Jesus is telling us to go this direction and do these things, there are consequences for us to disobey. There's consequences for us not to listen to his pleading, to his urging, to his goading, to his steering us in the right direction. And I want us to think about that for a second. How was Jesus goading Saul of Tarsus? How was he goading Paul before he saw that light on the road to Damascus? In what ways was Jesus goading him? Now, if you, if you know about the timeline of, of Saul, at this time when Jesus is speaking to him and he sees that light, Jesus has already ascended to the right hand of the Father. But it hasn't been that long ago. In fact, Jesus was probably just a few years older than Saul of Tarsus. In fact, I wonder, I've often wondered, when Jesus was going about the area, when he was in Jerusalem, when he was up in Galilee, when he was preaching in all the different places of Israel, I wonder, was Saul of Tarsus ever there? There were many times in Jesus' ministry where groups of Pharisees and scribes gathered around Jesus and they asked him questions and they tried to trap him and they were, they were, you know, doing all kinds of things to undermine his teaching and his ministry. And eventually they would all be part of putting him to death. And I wonder, was Saul there? Had he ever heard one of Jesus' sermons? Had he ever heard the parables of Jesus? Was he ever baffled and confused by the parables that Jesus told? Did he ever see Jesus do a miracle? Did he see Jesus heal someone or or give sight to the blind or, or give hearing to the deaf? Did he ever see Jesus raise someone from the dead or take someone's leprosy away? If so, if even one time in Jesus' earthly ministry, Paul heard or saw Jesus, Jesus was was goading him, was poking him, saying, this is the truth. Go this way. Do this. Follow me. Or, or I wonder when Peter and John were, were in the, the Sanhedrin, they were standing before the Sanhedrin, they were on trial before the council. Was Paul there? Was Saul of Tarsus there? Did he hear Peter and John when they said to the council, Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that 
He was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Was Saul there when Peter said those words? Was was Saul there? Was Jesus in that moment poking him, saying, listen, you, you know these scriptures. You know this truth. You know that I'm the Messiah. You know that, that I am the cornerstone that you builders are rejecting. Was, was, was Saul there? Did he hear that impassioned speech? Or how about Stephen's impassioned speech in, in Acts chapter 7? Was Saul, I know Saul was there at that time and he heard Stephen and he heard what Stephen had to say and how he tied together the entire story of Israel and brought it all to Jesus and helped the people in the room recognize that they had crucified God's anointed one, God's Messiah. Saul was there and Jesus was, through Stephen's speech, Jesus was poking Saul and goading him saying, this is true, this is true, this is true, listen to Stephen. But but do you know what Saul did? He kicked against the goads. He pushed back against them. He stubbornly refused and said, I won't believe that. I won't follow this Jesus. I I won't go that way. I won't do these things. He was convinced that the path he was on was right. He was convinced that the things that he was doing and his opposition to Jesus and his opposition to discipleship was well-founded and was righteous and he couldn't have been more wrong. His convictions, his passion, his anger, it was all misplaced. Just because we are convinced of something, just because we wholeheartedly believe something, just because we've been doing something a certain way our entire life, just because our parents did things a certain way their entire life, just because this was a tradition handed down to us, doesn't necessarily make that thing so. And maybe there's times in our life where Jesus is poking us and prodding us, teaching us through the scriptures, through the church, through the interactions that we have, through the spirit, Jesus is poking us and prodding us to tell us to do the right thing. But so often we give in to the flesh and we do what feels natural, what feels right, what feels good. We do what seems right to us. That's what's always got us in trouble, hasn't it? Ever since the garden, eating that which looks good and what we think will taste good and what we think will make us wise rather than listening to God. God has always been there. He was there in the garden telling Adam and Eve what to eat and what not to eat. He was there when Cain killed Abel, telling Cain that sin was crouching at his door and he must conquer it. He was there guiding. He was there teaching. He was there poking and prodding and goading to go in the right direction. But so often, like Adam and Eve, like Cain and Abel, like Saul of Tarsus, we kick against the goads. Well, we listen We listen, we open up the Bible, we have a Bible study, we go to Bible class, we turn on the the live stream and we start watching and we listen to what's being said and we hear the scriptures and then we just sort of go on about our lives and stay on the path that we were on. 
But what if Jesus is trying to get us off that path? What if Jesus is poking us and prodding us? Maybe it's a small change. Maybe we're not talking about some radical change in our life like it was for Saul. Maybe it's an incremental, small change. This this year, we've been talking about taking the next step by faith. And maybe Jesus has been there all along poking you, goading you to take the next step, to do the next right thing. And it's hard or it's scary. But every time you open up scripture, every time you read the Bible, nearly every time you you hear a Bible study or a sermon, you think, I need to do that. I really need to take that next step. Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe you need to, maybe you need to work on your marriage. Maybe there's something, a relationship that needs to be reconciled. Maybe there's somebody that you need to tell the gospel. You need to tell them about the gospel. Whatever it is, every time you have this reminder, these reminders from Jesus, you have these reminders that Jesus is leading you, directing you, goading you in a certain direction. And we don't want to be like Saul and kick against the goads. I'm finishing up in verse 15. Paul says, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So it's so interesting the way that Jesus works, isn't it? For so long, he had been goading Saul, goading Paul, Over and over again, listen, follow me, follow me, follow me. Finally, he gets Paul's attention on the road to Damascus. And finally, Paul starts to listen, starts to submit to the goading of Jesus. Finally, starts to participate with Jesus and partner with Jesus. And here's what Jesus tells him that he's going to use him to do. Saul is going to become a tool in the hands of Jesus to go to the Gentiles and to turn them from Satan to God. And and we are those Gentiles, aren't we? We are the people to whom the message that Paul went out and preached and wrote in letters is still coming to us. The instrument that Jesus used to goad the Gentiles into repentance and into life and into this new way of being human Saul participated in that. Paul participated in that. He became an instrument in the hands of Jesus to goad the Gentile nations into following him. And and that's what happens every time we read Paul's letters or Peter's letters or the gospel accounts or whatever piece of scripture that we're reading. God is gently goading us in the right direction. He's saying, go this way, believe this truth, do these things, Live this sort of life. It's like James, the brother of Jesus said, don't be hearers only, but be doers of the word. Do, do what Jesus is calling you to do. The apostle Paul is still working as a goad. Every time we open up one of his letters, Jesus, through the spirit, through the pen of Paul, is goading us to go in the right direction, to believe the right sorts of things, to do the right sorts of things, to walk in the good works that God has prepared for us to do. 
So here's what we're going to do. Every week this summer, Wednesday nights, 7 o'clock, we're going to gather together virtually, and we're going to listen to a portion of each of Paul's books. We're going to think about Paul's pen, the pen that was guided not only by his hand, but empowered by and guided by the Holy Spirit of God, the pen that Jesus continues to use to goad his people into doing the right sorts of things. And each week, one of our guest speakers is going to bring to us a lesson from the Apostle Paul's letters, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, and so on. Each week, a different letter. Maybe it'll just be an overview of the book, or maybe it'll be a certain passage. But each of these guest speakers will help us to think through, this is what Paul was saying to the people in his day, and here's how it applies to us today who would be followers of Jesus. But don't be so convinced that you don't have anything else to learn. Saul had been around. He was a smart guy. He had studied the scriptures. He was better trained in the scriptures than probably anyone you or I have ever met. Saul was incredibly well studied. He was a Pharisee. He was someone that other people looked up to and said, I want to be like that. And you know what? He was wrong. Before he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he was dead wrong. He was convinced he was right. He was well studied. He had every reason to believe that he was doing what he ought to do, but he was still wrong. He was zealous and he was wrong. He was passionate, but he was wrong. He was convinced, but he was wrong. He was kicking against the goads. So that's my encouragement for all of us this evening is stop kicking against the goads. Stop refusing to listen to Jesus. There's things that he wants you to learn. There's a direction he wants you to go. There's things that he wants you to do. Let's not be like Saul, or rather, let's be honest, we have been like that. We have kicked against the goads. And so maybe we just need to stop. Stop kicking against the goads and let Jesus lead us in the right direction. Thank you, church, for being with us tonight. And I pray that you'll be with us every Wednesday night. I want to close this with a prayer and pray specifically for our upcoming series. And I hope you'll be with us each Wednesday night. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus and for him finally convincing Saul of Tarsus to follow him. We thank you, Father, for the work that Paul did. We thank you for the letters that he wrote, that we can still glean this wisdom that is still living and active with the Holy Spirit's power, power to convince us and to transform us into better followers of Jesus. And Father, we pray that you help us to humbly listen to the words that Paul wrote and help us, Father, to not kick against the goads, but to listen to your pleading, your urging, your directing. We pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.